this morning as we were praying, we had a we have a smaller team this morning, what we call an acoustic or kind of an unplugged set, uh, because it, it, a lot of the guys are they all on the way on their anniversary. What's the deal? Where is your commitment? I don't get it. But uh, Brogan and Elsa and Tucker and Zoe are all away on the anniversary celebration this weekend, so we'll bless them. But in any case, we were praying, and Stephen said, you know, hey, we'll strip down, pray, Lord, you just be here this morning. So it's different today than it usually is. So there's a lot involved in putting worship together, and sometimes in the process of that, we can kind of get so much focus on the stuff and not the worship. And so you hear comments. I hear comments a lot. The one I hear the most is it's too loud. Just to be honest, I hear that. Um... I know none of you ever say that, but somebody does. But I get that. I understand that. It was funny. We were talking last night. My friends Andreas and Anna are here from Nicaragua. And we were driving home last night, and Andreas made the comment unsolicited, I'm, <laughs> I, it's fun being here, but I miss my loud worship at home. They worship loud. You guys are loud. I told people, if you ever think it's too loud here, you go with me to Nicaragua one time, you'll never say it's too loud again, because it's always loud. But... It's, we can also get caught up, well, I don't like this, or I don't like that. And I get that, I understand that. We all have preferences, that's human, that's normal. But at the same time, I don't want us to get so caught up in those things that we lose sight of worship. Isn't it more important just to be able to focus our hearts on what God's doing and in, in, in being in His presence in this moment? So that's kind of what we're, we're focusing on. Last week, I talked about celebration. And the, the dynamic, there's two primary dynamics of worship. One is celebrating God in the midst of even difficult times. And, and for a lot of us, last uh, week ago was a, a hard week. And yet we said, no, we're going to come and we're going to worship God regardless. And I love that. And I want to share this too in that, on, on that note. Uh, we've been praying this week. So I don't know if you guys saw the news, but uh, Big Hurricane was headed for Hawaii and so I've been praying for our friends at Kiaha Vineyard in Maui and texting back and forth with them. And the hurricane kind of turned a little bit. Maui didn't get hit very hard. None of the islands got hit as hard as they thought they were. But you know what those guys did last night? They had a worship night. They said, let's come together and worship. So I was like, yeah, you go. In the midst of what could be a storm, literally, they decided we're going to worship God. So bless those guys and continue to pray for them. Um, but we were talking about celebrating God. So the other dynamic of worship is uh, kind of the opposite of that in some ways. It's really not, but it's a different dynamic, and that is intimacy. And there's a place in worship of real intimacy. I, I was, okay, so I was thinking about this, and I remembered a time, it was 1978, and I know it was 1978 because the Vineyard Church that we grew up in only met uh, at my alma mater, El Dorado High School, for one year, and it was 78. And, and I remember that we were at El Dorado in the auditorium when this happened, but it, the church was young, small, it was, I, small, there were probably three or 400 people at the time, but smaller than it eventually became. It's kind of a small auditorium. And uh, because it was theater style, there was, there was no room really between the rows or, and the aisles. The only space, open space in the building was in the back. So a lot of people would stand up in the back to worship. And I was standing in the back worshiping one night. And I had my eyes closed and my hands raised and I was just worshiping. And I, I, I was just so captivated by the presence of God, I sort of got lost in it. You know what I mean? I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but I got lost in it. And after a while, I kind of had this thought, I, I don't know if I'm standing on the floor anymore. I really don't know if I'm touching ground, because that's how 
lost I am in the presence of God. And I was a little bit afraid to open my eyes, but I did. And when I opened my eyes, I was, in fact, actually on the ground, but I was also facing the wall about this close to it. And I don't know how I got there, but the point is that everything around me was, was lost. There was, no, there was no sense of reality outside of the presence of God in that moment. And I'll be honest, that doesn't happen all the time. It doesn't happen for me all the time, but I know it can happen, and I want to see that happen for us collectively as, as a people more. In worship, when we worship, what we're doing, essentially, is we're ascribing worth to God. You know, I don't... <laughs> oh, this dates me, but... Uh, Wayne and Garth said, you know, we're not worthy, we're not worthy. But in worship, what we're saying is, you are worthy, you are worthy. God is worthy, you're worthy of it all. You're worthy of our praise, you're worthy of all the glory, and you are worthy of all of my attention. You're worthy of my undivided attention. You're worthy of me making the sacrificial effort to turn my mind away from all the other stuff going on and just focusing on you right now at this moment. You're worthy of that. So I want to begin uh, with a psalm again today, but uh, let's pray first and then we'll, we'll dive in. So Lord, I just pray this morning you would penetrate our hearts with the reality of your word and you would teach us again, refresh our, our minds and our hearts, what it means to be intimate with you, to draw near to you, and to give you all the worth and all the glory that you are due. In your name we pray, amen. All right, one verse this morning, Psalm 27. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. One thing I ask, one thing, David says, one thing I ask, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord. And in its, in its simplest form, in it kind of its the basic ground level, Stripped away of everything else, worship is gazing at the beauty of the Lord. And as I said last week, life can be ugly sometimes. And it's easy because it's so uh, prevalent, it's so in our face, it's easy to get caught up in the ugliness of it all. But what I want to say today is there is always beauty in the Lord. There's always beauty in the Lord. And you can always find beauty in the Lord if you look for it. God is behind all of the beauty. And, and there's beauty in creation. I think we all know that. We, we see creation and we at times are captivated by it. And, and most of us, if, if we're followers of Christ, will we'll give God thanks and say, Lord, thank you for this beautiful creation. There's beauty elsewhere. There's beauty in music. There's beauty in art. There's beauty in people. There's beauty in relationships all around us. I, I remember... Uh, so. I had some stories today, okay? Uh, but here's a little known fact. I did a wedding on top of Half Dome one time. Yeah, I climbed Half Dome, believe it or not. But that weekend, the whole family was at Yosemite. And when I was younger, I was really into photography. I was never professional, but it was a, a kind of a full-time hobby for me. And at Yosemite, Ansel Adams was one of my heroes. And at Yosemite is the Ansel Adams Gallery. And there are huge, you know, I don't know, 16 by 20 or larger prints of original Ansel Adams photographs of Yosemite. And I'll never forget walking in and walking through this museum or this uh, gallery, and I, I, I was looking at these photographs, and it was overwhelming. I just began to cry. It was so beautiful. 
and the presence of God, it was so real to me at that moment. I mean, it was incredible. And I'll never forget just standing there staring at these photographs and going, oh my God, this is amazing. And the point of that is that there's beauty all around us. If we open our eyes and see it, it's everywhere. And uh, I want to do a little something-something here. We do Greek now and then. We don't typically do Hebrew, but we're going to go go way back today. So the the word gaze is chazah in Hebrew, and it means to behold, envisioned in visions. Pay attention to the definition. We're going to come back to it a little later. Envision in visions to gaze, to look on intensely with gratification. You're looking intensely at something and you have thanks in your heart because of what you're seeing. It's to prophesy, provide, see, primitive root to gaze at mentally. So it's not only with the eyes, but the eyes of our heart, the eyes of our mind that we gaze at something with pleasure, specifically to have a vision of. Sometimes in worship, we'll talk about this in a bit, but you close our eyes and you get a vision of God. And so there's a deeper thing than just looking at something. When we say, I gaze at the beauty of the Lord, this is the thing I ask for. It's bigger than what you see with your eyes. We're beholding the beauty of God and we're giving Him credit for all beauty. We're saying, God, you're, you, you, it's because of you that beauty exists here today. You are the creator, the source of all that is good and all that is right, all that is beautiful in the world. We worship a God who is not far away. We worship a God who is a very, very personal being. One of the, one of the distinctives, so... In the vineyard movement, in the, very, very early on, um, and, and this will seem so duh to you guys today, but early on, one of the distinctives we made was that we are singing songs to God, not just about God. In the 60s and 70s, kind of in the Jesus people movement, there were a lot of songs written, but a lot of them were sort of these little courses mostly about who God was. And, and we sort of made this distinction that, no, we're singing songs directly to God. He's the audience. He's the one we're directing the songs we sing to because worship is a relational dynamic. There's relationship involved in worship. It's an it's a intimate and a close connection with God himself. One of the more, maybe the most profound image, biblical image, <coughs> is that of the bride of Christ. Okay, the, the uh, Scripture calls the church, you and I, and everyone else in the church, the bride of Christ. <clears throat> and the bride, of course, is a picture of what is, you know, potentially the most intimate, loving relationship there is. God is the source of love. He is love, and as His bride... We enter into and we engage into that love relationship with Him. The, the gospel has been called the greatest story ever told. Um, I, I would say more specifically, it's the greatest love story ever told. That it's an amazing, amazing love story between Jesus and His bride and the links that He goes to to capture His bride. Um, one of my favorite movies dating back, I think it was uh, probably the 90s, early 90s, Last of the Mohicans. Anybody remember Last of the Mohicans with Daniel Day-Lewis? Great movie. And there's this one scene where 
uh, he's, he's in love with this girl. She's British. The British Army is coming, and they're chasing him. He's an, he's an American Indian. He's Mohican. He's the last Mohicans. And, and they're, they're running through this cave, and they come to the cave, and there, there's a waterfall that goes out over the front of it. I don't know if you remember that. And, and uh, they're coming, and, and, and he's going to get away. They're going to take her, but they're going to kill him. And so he looks at her. I just watched it yesterday. And, 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 and not the whole movie, just the scene. And uh, he gives her this look, and she gives him this look, and he gives her this look, and it's like, man, you're going, whoo, that's intense right there. And then he goes, I will find you. And he jumps off the waterfall. And you just go, I have no doubt that he's coming back. You know, that guy, he's coming back. But I think of that and the sacrifice, and then you go, that Jesus gave it all. He gave it all for the bride. I'm laying everything down for the bride. There's nothing that will stop me, nothing that will keep me away from redeeming my bride and bringing her back into relationship with me. That's what worship is about, is connecting with God on that level. Sometimes we, can do, we do that alone, and we have personal worship times. And, and we'll talk later in our series about personal worship but this morning, I want to focus more on what happens <coughs> corporately when we come together. Because God created us for, for community. He created us relationally. And there's something special that happens. There just is. There's something special that happens when the body of Christ comes together and focuses their attention on giving glory to God uh, and on the beauty of the Lord. There's something that happens in that moment that really is incredibly special and really in some ways almost indescribable. Um, scripture says God inhabits the praise of his people. And when, here, here, here's the thing. When we focus our heart and our attention on God and then his presence becomes real in the midst of us, it's a transformational reality. And God changes our very lives. And we're transformed into the image of Jesus in that very moment. And a lot of things can happen. Look, we, we pray for people's lives to be changed. We pray for redemption. We pray for healing. We pray for salvation. We pray for a lot of things. But let me tell you, all of that can happen in the midst of worship. There is an incredible transformation that takes place in the midst of worship. How much time we got? Oh, good. Two stories. Two stories. Uh, I used to do this group called the 8 O'Clock Service. It was kind of an alternative church for uh, musicians and, I don't know, pre-hipsters. But uh, it, was, uh, it was really fun. But this gal came one night. She shows up for the first time. She's, she looked, you know, as they say, uh, you know, rode, rode hard and hung out wet or something. I mean, she just looked like she'd been through a lot in life at a young age. And uh, I just never forget, we just worship. And all through worship, she's just bawling, bawling, bawling. And she's got a lot of makeup on. It's running down her face. She looks like a mess, you know. And just uh, comes up, and, and I go, okay, can I pray for you? What's going on? And she goes, I, I haven't been to church, you know. This was like 1992. She goes, I haven't been to church since Easter of 1983, you know what I mean, or some long time ago. And, 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 and she can't even speak. She goes, those, those songs, those songs, those songs. And just in the middle of worship, God just unraveled her heart, you know, and it was just amazing. That's all she could say with those songs, those songs. Another time back, uh, further back, mid-80s, I was uh, at a, an event called Youth Surge. It was a regional youth conference 
hosted by Mike Bickle's church, Kansas City Fellowship. And this was, it was, although it wasn't in Kansas City, it was in Bolivar, Missouri. Anybody ever been to Bolivar, Missouri? Thought not. Bolivar, Missouri is literally the middle of nowhere. It's the middle of nowhere. There's nothing. The only thing in Bolivar, Missouri is Southwest Baptist University, and that's why we were there. The, the college hosted this event. But it's a big youth event, and we were there. I, I did it several years and uh, this particular occasion was the last night of the conference, and as always uh, the case on the last night, you kind of have that celebration time, whatever, you know, it was a lot of fun. So some of you will remember this back in the 80s, a guy named Kevin Prosh. Kevin Prosh was leading worship that night. So let me just say right now, Kevin Prosh is the king of spontaneous worship, okay? I'm sorry, but these kids at Bethel think they do spontaneous worship. They have no clue. They, they don't even, they're, they're not even in the same league. Prosh could do spontaneous worship for three, four, five hours, and he's just getting warmed up. I mean, literally, the whole room, everybody could leave and go home. He'd still be playing. He just goes. He'd just go and go and go and go and go. Sometimes you just pray, and God, please let him stop. But um, it was the end of the evening. Kind of ministry time is happening. People are praying, and Kevin is just going. Kevin's off in the zone. He's just leading worship. He's, in, he's on another planet somewhere, you know. He's in the third heaven. And... Um, there was a young man there who suffered from Tourette's syndrome. And all through the week, God, people have been praying for him, and God had been doing stuff in his heart. You know, I came, kids are mean sometimes, and he had gone through a lot of, you know, whatever, I don't know, teasing and stuff. But not at the conference, but in life in general. And uh, so, so, so it was last night, so a couple of people were praying for him, and God just kind of spoke to me. And I went over, and I grabbed him by the hands, and I go, hey, just listen. Just listen. And, and everybody stopped praying, and we all just kind of listened. And we just sat there and listened. And I'm holding his hand. I go, just listen. And in the midst of that, you know, Prosh is just singing probably la, la, la. But uh, he also did a lot of that. But, I mean, we just listened. And I could just see the peace of God come on this kid, and tears start pouring down his face. And just watch just God just undoing so much stuff in his heart. And we didn't pray anything. We didn't say anything. I just listened. Just, just the presence of God in worship brought about transformation in his life. And the reality is that can happen if we will allow ourselves to enter into it. But we have to be committed to letting go of everything else in that moment. We can't be focused on it's too loud. We can't be focused on what's for lunch. We can't be focused on i got to go pee. We, we have to focus on God's presence is here right now and I'm going to get lost in it. And I, but I just want to say, if you can do that, if, if you can do that, if you can allow yourself that freedom, it changes everything. It, it really will change. Here's... This is it. This is, this, this is the coup de grace, as they say. Second Corinthians 3, the Lord is a spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We hear that verse a lot. The Lord is spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But it's the one after that that I think has the power. We all, who's that? Us. We all with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory. Okay. Moses had a veil. The veil is lifted in the presence of Jesus. Our faces are open. We can look directly into the, the presence of God. With unveiled faces, contemplate. That's that word gaze again. We're seeing, but we're thinking. It's deep in our hearts. The Lord's glory. We're being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory. I love the New American Standard here. It says, going from glory to glory. 
There's ever-increasing glory. As we look into the face of God, His presence becomes real. We begin to be changed into His likeness, and we move from, from levels of glory to greater levels of glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. That's what happens in the midst of worship. That is profound. The transformation of our hearts and lives into the likeness of Jesus just by looking at the face of God. We don't have to do anything to get that. All we have to do is come into His presence and allow His Spirit to have freedom to change our lives. And that's what Paul's saying here. And anybody who sees any less than that is missing out. That's what we're talking about when we looked at the word glory. I'm going to get a little weird on you now. It's just a forewarning. How do we do that? How do we gaze at the beauty of the Lord? How do we envision the presence of God? And here's what I want to say. We, we utilize something that we call in our lives today the imagination. And in, in our imagination, we can begin to consider and to think about and to envision the presence of God. And, and, and I'll say this, on a, on a practical level, this is why we worship with our eyes closed. Okay? So that was another thing that happened early in the Vineyard Movement. We began to encourage people to worship with their eyes closed. And, and, and any of you who have been in a church where that wasn't the case and then ended up in a church where that was the case, you kind of you get it. It's a little bit awkward at first. You, you, you feel a little funky. But once you realize the value of it, it becomes more natural. Look, I, I like you guys. You're nice looking. You're a good looking group. But in worship, I don't want to see you. I, I don't want to see the stuff around. I don't want to see anything but the presence of God. That's the idea. We want to see the Lord, so we, we close our eyes. And with our eyes closed, here, here I'll just give you a little, these are, these are Heloise's helpful household hints for worship. When we sing about the cross, think about the cross. Just Im- imagine in your mind, allow your imagination to take you to that place where you can see the cross. You can see Jesus. You can see the resurrected Jesus. When we sing about God's glory, consider the glory of God. Now, look, we don't know what the glory of God looks like. It's beyond our comprehension. But we can, we can think about what it might look like, right? We can, we, can, we can dial our imagination up to think, what might the glory of God be? Here's another thing. Let me, talk, let me just say this. We sing a lot of songs about freedom, about healing, about, about what happens in us. When, when we sing about healing, I, I, I would think about this. Allow your mind to see that person that you've been praying for healed. Allow, uh. Allow your mind to go to that place where you see that person completely restored and made whole in the presence of God. You know, when we talk about freedom in Christ, allow your mind to see that person that's bound up, that's, that's in, in, in chains or that's held back by something. Allow your mind to go to the place where you see that person completely free. And that, 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 that really is the heart of worship. That's, that's intimacy in worship. That's when we touch the heart of God. You guys uh, can come back up, Stephen. Um, we want to come into the presence of the Lord and we want to gaze upon His beauty. And we want to ascribe worth to Him. 
We just want to say, God, you're, you're worth it all. And we understand there then is a transformational process that takes place in our lives where we become more like him. We go from glory to glory. And, and let me say this. I'm just going to close with a little bit of an encouragement. Is that that's a choice. It's a conscious decision that you make. You have to say, I'm going to set aside everything else for the next 30 minutes and allow myself to go to that place in the presence of God, and, and I'm not going to let anything distract me. And it's sacrificial. Look, I, I, I get it. We all have busy lives. There's a lot going on, and it is not easy. But if you can come to that place where you say, I'm not going to let anything come between me and what God is doing right now and His presence being here in this moment, I think you'll find something that's beyond maybe what you've experienced before.